And we're back. Oh. <laughs> hey, there's this video. I can see you now. Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. My name is Joe Hilliard, and alongside me, proudly, every week is... Dave Gurney. Carlos Cooper. And we are here to do the aforementioned tasks. Talk about movies and talk about and drink some beer. So why don't we get some beer in our glasses before we some beer yeah. in our glasses before we dive straight into two Will Ferrell films? Right. That's not the truth. See, this is why yeah. I'm not allowed to uh, do the intro because it would have taken us five minutes until we got to the beer part. That's yeah, right. but at least you give accurate information while we watch two comedies about music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, this beer that we're opening up here is from a brewery that is new to the show. Uh, it is Boxing Bear Brewing Company, and uh, they have this hopefully tasty uh, beverage for us called the New Mexico, which makes sense because they're out of Albuquerque and, you know, kind of playing off of uh, their location there, New Mexico. And, uh, so, yeah, we're going to get this into our glass. It is only 4.6%, but that's totally appropriate for the style. We hope it's going to be crisp and refreshing, as uh, Cole should be. I've got a friend that uh, that lives in Albuquerque um, and uh, got into craft beer a little bit before I did, pretty heavy. And I remember uh, being at Tapology with him one day when he was back in town visiting and he, mm-hmm. he he made the very bold claim, uh, he is a very bold man, uh, that, <laughs> um, that Albuquerque is one of the best craft beer towns in the country, he says. Yeah, I know there's a scene there. I mean, and I've, I know we've had a, at least one New Mexico beer on the show before, and I can't remember. That brewery Marble, I think, is out of uh, okay. Albuquerque. I don't know if we've had that yet. The, the Desert Fog uh, okay. Hazy, uh, that is s- slightly divisive, I guess, amongst our friend group. Uh, uh, but um, We've had only one new, yeah. one new, we've only had one New Mexican beer and that uh-huh. was Exo Ex Novo Brewing's Mountains and Mountains. Okay. Yeah, okay. it was uh, back when we talked about Marriage Story. Uh, okay. In episode sixty-nine. <laughs> hey. And with that, we're off to, to well, the style of movie. I brought no, up. I, I brought up the. Uh, I brought up that that story because I we're we're putting my friend Travis to the test right now. Uh, I want to see if All his right. statement holds up. Um, and if it doesn't, we will harass him on mic and, sh- and, and shame him for spreading such lies. Well, well right. Kolsch is not a style that we have had too much of. Have we even had it Oh, my all? God, David, what is happening? Well, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get us a European beer. Uh, or at least, I mean, I, I probably could have um, and should have. But, but we had this one in the fridge. And I'll Drink it, but I thought I could at least use a European style drinking uh, mug. This is a, uh, stein. a stein, a stein that I got for Father's Day a few years back. That I honestly, I think this is my first time actually using it. It's got the lid and everything. Mm. Well, and it's appropriate. Kolsch is a German style, so you know, I'm being somewhat. Yeah, uh, you'll love yeah. to see it. Anyway, 
So the Euro tie-in here, uh, the film that we're going to be talking about first is Eurovision. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm missing the uh, colon title here. Wait, Eurovision Song Contest, colon, the story of Fire Saga. Um, the new film that uh, just recently, those listeners um, may have already seen it, but it, it, it started uh, being available on Netflix on June 26th. And it was a production of Will Ferrell's and Adam McKay's production company, Gary Sanchez Productions. And this is a script written by Will Ferrell, along with a guy who I think he's collaborated with in the past, I think maybe even going back to SNL, um, Andrew Steele. And it is, um, it's based around the story of these uh, two performers who want to be part of the Eurovision Song Contest. This is a hugely, hugely popular uh, event that, takes place on an annual basis going back to the 1950s. Um, sadly, it was canceled this year. It was actually supposed to be kind of timed with the release of this. I think it was going to come out maybe in May, and that's when the contest usually takes place. And so it was going to kind of try to piggyback off of the popularity of the actual event. But when that got canceled, I think they ended up pushing it. Uh, I don't know why, but you know, they made it a little bit later release. And and here it is. Now, this is something that a lot of our American listeners are probably not super familiar with. It's something that I was introduced to by a friend back in the 2000s. He is a big, I mean, just huge music nut in general. Um, and, he, and he loves pop music. And he looked forward to this event every year. And so he would often share clips of some of the more outrageous uh, performances from the Eurovision contest because they really do get into staging these things very theatrically with a lot of lot of smoke and mirrors and crazy costumes. Um, the songs themselves generally tend to be pretty standard kind of, you know, radio pop sounding fair, although maybe a little on the cheesy Euro side pop. of things. Yeah, yeah, Euro pop, yeah. Um, but anyhow, so the, so Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams play this pair from they're from Iceland, so each country kind of gets one uh, group that they can you know put into the competition, one song, one one performer, one set of performers, and they're the ones that are chosen from Iceland. We can get into how that all unfolds, but uh, but essentially go there, and a lot of the film is them dealing with this Eurovision contest and some of the conflict that comes up when they meet some of the other performers and get involved and, and they kind of have a, um, an unrealized romantic affinity for one another, which I kind of wasn't so happy about. I, I didn't love this film. <laughs> um, I, there were things I liked about it. Should I, I guess I should just go right into it. Um, I do like the Eurovision contest. I find it really funny. I, and, and, and entertaining. I mean, I, some of those clips are very fun to watch. And, and so I enjoyed the film when it was really focused on the contest itself, the party before the performance with all those, you know, crazy performers and, and the song sequence there. I, that stuff I could get into. The, the story was a little bit too just bland, predictable, like cookie cutter kind of. I don't know. It, it, so I don't know. What, what, what were you guys feeling with this one? This movie fucking sucks. It just outright sucks. <laughs> this movie sucks. Bad. It is yeah. a terrible movie. I couldn't believe what I was watching when I was sitting there watching this movie. I, 
for the most part hated every second of it. Uh, wow. I nope. No redeeming. No redemption. Some some there. redeeming qualities. Like uh, I I looked it up and I didn't recognize the name, and so I don't remember it off the top of my head. But the woman that is doing the singing for Rachel McAdams is really great. Uh, yeah, great voice. And yeah. so and and like a lot of the there are there are a few um, Fire Saga songs that are pretty decent. Um, the song that they make them play in the bar over and over again. Yeah, yeah, ding dong. Yeah, I love that song. Uh, it, that whole sh- that 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 gimmick that that recurring joke I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, I like and it seems like guy some... who's just angrily. <laughs> yeah. Olaf, they, I like, think was his name. It's uh, the only thing that's happy. Yeah, and I like I can imagine myself like incredibly intoxicated, yelling ding dong or whatever uh, <laughs> yeah, during yeah. while the band's playing that. Uh, so that I mean that was good and like. Rachel McAdams is really the only believable person in this entire movie for the most part. I mean, uh, Will Ferrell's whatever accent he's doing is terrible. He's, when he does. he's Yeah, he's terrible in it. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is terrible in it. Uh, pretty much everyone in the film is... Dan Stevens, I think is the guy's name, is especially fucking terrible, the Russian guy. Uh, his yeah, performance yeah. is virtually unwatchable. And also, everybody seems to have a vaguely Germanic accent. No matter where they're from, it's just like, I guess to the people that made this movie, every European sounds like vaguely as if they're from some Germans. Unless they're Spanish, French, or Italian, everyone else is just vaguely Germanic in some way. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Even the Russian guy sounds like he's from Germany most of the time. Uh, right. And, but, like, the bit about where Will Ferrell says that they're probably not brother and sister is one of the worst fucking bits I've ever seen in my life. It's not funny at yeah. all. It goes way too far. He won't stop saying it. It is just downright atrocious. Uh, huh. Well, there's no, there's no payoff to the bit at a, all. Well, the, I mean, the payoff is that their parents do marry. and that, I know, and, but that's not a comedic payoff. I mean, it's, Carlos, it's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. It's a fantastic example of a movie. Uh, if you don't mind me going here, oh, I, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've got I've got two halves of a review. Okay. The first half is the first half of the film, and what I was noting in the first half of the film, if there, there are there were very few laugh laughs. Like there were a series of knowing smiles that humor is occurring in front of me. But the movie, more than anything, kind of relies on an affection of for Will Ferrell. And I have yeah. an affection for Will Ferrell because we love seeing Will Ferrell do dumb stuff. He does dumb stuff really well or has in the past. He I mean, to varying degrees of success, I would say. So, I mean, like, here's an example that I'm thinking of. They're in the semifinals of Eurovision. Mm-hmm. And um, we need to repeat, David, you said it earlier, that the performances are these complicated light dance effects shows yeah, right yeah. wires and props and stuff yeah. right so in the in the rehearsal we see him will fair she's on the stage and then he descends from the you know ceiling on wires like flying yeah but then right. with right. no explanation because this movie defies the idea that we're supposed to explain too much uh he drops in the semifinals in a like a human-sized hamster wheel yeah and we're not expecting it and yeah. Will Ferrell is making a hilarious face as he runs on this hamster wheel. And that mm-hmm. gets a chuckle out of me because there he is doing something Stupid, dumb. Yeah. Right. I, and then, that, and then one, that, one more example. That Go ahead. That is a direct 
reference to an actual performance that that, that hamster wheel gimmick was used on a Eurovision. So uh, I, again, okay. a lot of stuff. But, they're actually, if you're a fan of the Eurovision stuff, it works. But I understand where you're coming from. It seems like a stupid gimmick just thrown into a Will Ferrell movie. Yeah. The well, only, just, the only just, thing I know I'm, about Eurovision was that was that bearded woman that won that one year. Conchita, yeah, right. who's Conchita. in, the, who, who makes a cameo in this. I had never heard we're, of Eurovision before that. Sorry. Well, I was just going to give another. Sorry, I was just going to say, to your point, David, Euro best in show. We just recently discussed Christopher Guest uh, movies. I've I've got no interest in dog shows at all, but the comedy, as presented, is we're going to show you a slice of all life just in this very specific setting. Yeah, the Eurovision. Is it's just not a world that I care about enough at all to, to care that the hamster wheel might have been used. Oh, look, it's Graham Norton. I don't care. I, I, it's not really. So I'm not invested in the main conceit of the film. Uh, uh, another example of, of Will Ferrell doing something dumb and getting a chuckle out of you. They make it to the finals, and then there's this threes company misunderstanding that has Will Ferrell packed and at the airport ready to fly home, right? Mm-hmm. And then Secret or... Uh, McAdams' yeah. character says, "I uh, she understands that they made it to the finals. I wish um, that uh, Lars were here. Lars mm-hmm. is Will Ferrell. Cut to Lars walking through the airport, slow walking through the airport in the most ridiculous silver mylar, mylar outfit, matching yeah. luggage. And you laugh because, look, it's Will Ferrell in a hilarious out- outfit. But it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a bunch of cheap, cheap laughs. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I... I, I I'd laughed out loud maybe like two or three times. I think one of them was when uh, the hamster wheel thing goes awry and they like almost like mm-hmm. fucking kill Rachel McAdams. <laughs> and he's, um, he's saying funny, improvised, most likely things but, as the hamster but, wheel. But other than that, I don't, I don't even remember what I laughed at the times that I actually found myself laughing. Um, yeah. And to your point, um, you know, I'm sure that if you are a Eurovision fan, there are things in this that play better if sure, you yeah. are. But, you know, Joe, to your point... I, yeah, I don't give a shit about dog shows. I've never watched a dog show in my life. But Best in Show is hilarious. It's so good. And because you see the things playing out, like it, you don't need any insider info about how the shit works or any like very specific references or anything like that. When I was describing this movie to somebody, saying that like I had watched it the night before, um, someone said, like, oh, that sounds like a Christopher Guest movie. And I said, my fucking God, I wish it was. God, yeah. I wish it was. It would have been... Well, bearable <laughs> and and i and actually I, I i'm sort of not that surprised but i am really impressed i feel like we're in sync on this one like we haven't been in a long time because <laughs> i was going to make much the same uh suggestion where i think this could have been a great film if you had populated it with great performers playing those other eurovision competitors forget about the stupid romance relationship i mean that felt so just why did that even have to be there? Why did it have? It, I never felt emotionally connected to it. It never felt like there were any stakes there. Mm-hmm. Like Joe was saying earlier, McAdams is good enough that I can buy her and whatever. But Will Ferrell is a goofy actor when he does comedy films. I mean, I think he's capable of more. But here he was in the goofball mode. I'm not going to care about his love relationship. It's just not mm-hmm. what's going to happen. So put him as a goofy character in with a bunch of other goofy characters and them misunderstanding one another and doing strange things at this competition, I think it could have been a knock it out of the park success 
that would have still been a great tribute to this song contest, which seemed to be what Farrell's motivation was. I mean, apparently he's a big fan of the Eurovision song contest, got introduced to it years ago. and He has to be. Yeah, and, and wanted to do this thing as kind of a tribute to it. But to me, it's like you don't pay tribute to something you love by doing a ham-fisted, like, predictable two characters that should be together. We all know they should be together. Oh, when are they going to be together? Oh, there's going to be obstacles in the way. It just, I, I had no interest in, the, in that part of the film. And too much of it got bogged down. It, and, it, and it made it too long, too. Yeah. It just felt like every, it felt, I don't know, it felt like bullet pointed almost. Like, it, just like, okay, we got to do this. We got to get, you know, we got to hit this. We got to have a song and dance number. We got to, you know, whatever. And like, so all the plot points are just like, Something happens and then you and then you move on and there's nothing like you know there's no weight to any of it there's nothing like yeah key, I mean they tried to do this thing about him winning his dad's approval but who gives a shit about that like uh, and then another thing that really bothered me is in the first part when uh, Lars and Secret are children everyone's speaking Icelandic and then yeah. very quickly it, that is abandoned and everyone just starts speaking English like why even try to like do that like they say yeah. they're in iceland enough that we just know that like right. you know you're not tarantino you're not going to have everybody that's from the place speaking that language a la like inglorious bastards or something like that you're not going to mm -hmm. have long stretches of you know will ferrell attempting to speak icelandic it's not gonna you know it's just not gonna happen and it's that's fine right. so why even try it uh, yeah and also uh, i just think that i just think it needs to be said will ferrell's really not funny like he's uh, not a I, funny I, person. He, I, I disagree. I mean, yeah, and, I do too. And, and you know what? Box office disagrees with you, and ratings right. disagree with you. The man has been incredibly successful in making some people laugh. Now you're not one, yeah. and I get that. Yeah. But you can't. I mean, there's no way you can say that he is not a successful comedian. I mean, well, I'm not saying he's not successful, but there are plenty of successful people I find not funny, a la Jeff Dunham or Jeff Foxworthy or any of the <laughs> fucking redneck guys. No, like, like, right. It, and honestly, so I, you know, I think I have a deeper affection for him because I really did love his era of SNL. And, and there were some things like even when I go back to some of those sketches, I don't love them as much now as I did at the time. But at the time, and I don't know if that's maturity, if that's whatever, you know, but at the time they really worked. Um, you know, certainly the cowbell sketch, that's the first one that comes to my mind yeah. is, you know, that, you know, so, yeah. it, it's pretty undeniable that that thing is a lot of fun. If if you're willing to go with it, I mean it's it's goofy, it's absurd, and I've really I like him when he gets into those more absurd places, like the Anchorman, the first Anchorman film, yeah. uh, Talladega Nights, the films he did with Talladega Nights is I mean, amazing. I think, that is oh, okay. that is that well, so, is his one real fucking hit, like his one home run where he is really good in it, he's really funny in it. But like I, I I saw his era of SNL as like a dead period. Like I didn't huh. think that that was a good era at all. I think we got yeah. some good people out of it, like Tina Fey and whatnot. But I don't. I didn't yeah. think that actual shows SNL was putting on at that time were very good. I don't think that Anchorman's really all that funny, uh, and I don't think that. I mean, I can't really think of anything. I don't think Step Brothers is funny. Um, oh, I love Step Brothers. Oh, my Adam God, Scott that's... is pretty funny in that. But outside of like him and. John C. John Reilly. C. Riley. My I, God. Like, we'll and get we're, and we're we'll get to John, John C. Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. I, don't, I, mean, I don't think you that put those two guys good. together. Talladega Nights. I've never Step seen Brothers. old school. So I know I we're getting off 
off uh, topic here. But well, I, just... I have a twist ending. Well, okay. we're getting off Memorized... topic because there's nothing to talk about as far as Eurovision is concerned. <laughs> I mean, no, it's I, such I thought... a dead, bland film. But Joe, I said on. that there were two halves. Um, Carlos, you mentioned the running joke throughout the film that every time uh, the, the Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams are introduced to somebody, are y'all brother and sister? And the joke is, I'm pretty sure that we're not. Yeah, she says no definitively, and he's like, probably right. not. There's another running joke. There's two more running jokes. One is that she, again, I guess it's we are to believe that half of Iceland believes in elf lore, uh, elf lore, elf culture. Oh, yeah. Uh, she seems like there she's are the elf, elf, one. elf culture. <laughs> yeah, there are elf uh, homes, little tiny little houses that are made as altars, and you can, and she is a not a worshiper of elves, but she asks elves to help them. Yeah. And then it doesn't really go anywhere. And then there's also a it run does. in that he hold on, hold <laughs> a on. Little bit. There's also a run in that he has with some American tourists. Right. Where the gag is that Will Farrell is going to be friendly while insulting them. Like insulting I did Ameri- like that bit. But like 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 pointing out very American obnoxious cliches mm-hmm. or or realities. Okay. Yeah. Here's where I laugh the loudest in the movie. Will Ferrell is back in Iceland not realizing that they're in the finals. And then he realizes that they are and he has to rush back. And he, he as a token died, of, by the way. As as a token of love to Rachel McAdams, and he's about to profess his love to her, makes an elf offering. And then a government guy tries to kill him because Iceland can't afford it if they win. Right. And he, he would be and all of a sudden the <laughs> A knife is a tiny knife <laughs> into his back, a tiny one. and Will Ferrell looks over at the elf house, and the door shuts. Uh-huh. And I laughed so loud; huh. I, I thought that was so funny. And then That's he meets it. up. That, that was good. And then he meets up with the Americans again, and gets in their car. And that whole sequence to me was hilarious. And then she's on stage and hits her sporg note, and you'll have to watch the movie. And then all of a sudden, I kind of liked the movie, and I I know <laughs> I'm being manipulated, and I hate myself for it. Yeah, I'll, the I'll, ending I'll, to me was worth the first half that was, wow. in large part, humorless. I'll, and I, I feel I feel so much like Dave Gurney right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll agree that the la- the final like performance when you know she sings her song, which is totally unbelievable because he's only heard oh. it through the doorway, and all of, of a sudden it's no, got no, a no, full don't try to make orchestration sense. and production. It's yeah, like yeah, whatever, yeah, get that yeah. fuck yeah. out of here. But don't uh, try to make any sense of it. Don't I try know. to make any sense. And, of and it. as soon as that started happening, I was immediately offended, and then I was like, no, nah, it doesn't matter. Who gives a shit about this movie? But like that. That scene is good. Like I, I that was the probably the one time I really felt something. Like I felt like good for Rachel McAt for for Secret. Like I, song. you know, like it, I got it, I was being manipulated, and it was a good song. I and I get that, especially when she starts singing in Icelandic. That's like a whole thing. But I, I the home to, to, the hometown people watching her sing about the yeah, hometown. Yeah, yeah, all that of that was good. That was good. I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. It wasn't worth everything to me. It wasn't worth everything that happened before it. But you're probably right. The only. <laughs> the only bit that I really, really liked in this movie, 
and it it's a running bit so it occurs more than once and i didn't like it any other time until the very end when they're back playing at their bar and he's got the baby on him and i didn't like that like what the fuck are you doing it's a child and you're playing live music very loudly like an infant or whatever but when he's like talking to the americans that are in the bar and is just like shitting on them like no like get the fuck out of here like we don't want and like i liked that part that part where he's looking them in the face like being incredibly mean to them and they're just like ha you're so funny Uh, and I was like yeah you fucking stupid Americans you're so fucking dumb like uh, that was probably really the only bit comedic bit that really worked for me I like that one too yeah there were moments I've I've got one more thought Um, and David I I don't mean to put you on the spot but um, what was interesting about the conversation we just had is you and I loving Anchorman, Carlos not liking it. I don't know if we're right and he's wrong. How, <laughs> humor is so subjective. What makes me laugh? And you said last week, David, uh, when we were talking about, help me. Funny people? Yes. Mm-hmm. That there were a lot of dick jokes and I could sense <laughs> like a, a derision in your voice. And the mm-hmm. first half of this movie certainly there's a lot of dick jokes. Literally, there's yeah. uh, uh, Greek sculptures with oh, crazy, yeah. crazy weirdo penises that are just ridiculous. Yeah, and um, etc. Uh, you know, I well, think just, uh, they, at one point Will Ferrell compares erection that doesn't seem to really exist. Like they're kind of, not quite full of erection. Yeah, yeah, but they, not yeah. Just a weird kind of slow. Definitely not. I I think one point when Will Ferrell's trying to woo a woman, he talks about how his penis is like a Volvo, you know, reliable, blah, blah, blah. And David, I I thought of you immediately in that comment you made last week. And what's funny and what's not funny, I thought, do you just get turned off to that kind of humor in general? I didn't know what you were actually saying last week. Thank you. Actually, you bringing this up allows me to clarify. Um, David, how do you feel about dicks? (laughs) I felt like... In in funny people, it was just a lazy character trait that they put on the Adam Sandler character where he just it made me not like that character. It's just the the worst form of dick joke, the sizing up everybody based on their penis. That was like his go to thing. And it just it got irritating. And I don't remember it being as irritating when I first saw the film. So rewatching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm surprised I can like this character despite them making this such a prominent part of his characterization, like the, who, who he, you know, is as a comedian. Like that is what he thinks is funny is to make everybody, I guess, uncomfortable. Like they have to comment on what, I don't know, it just, it was stupid. These at least were somewhat funny dick jokes and they changed, you know what I mean? Like they did keep coming back. I understand what you're saying. Like there was a series of these things, you know, Will Ferrell stuffing himself, but that was also, I think, nicely complimented with Rachel McAdams being uh, encouraged to stuff her crotch as well, which was, you know, I, I find funny. it funny when we kind of do that. I thought it was the statues. I thought that was funny, as Carlos said, in part because they went to the extent of having it be in some kind of weird state of not quite fully erect, but also Half arousal. Not, that, not that even though. But not even right. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. It well, was, speak for it yourselves. Was my God. Very strange. Hey, yeah. so do you want to know anyway. like part of my contempt for this movie? The the and why I find it to be such like garbage is that the joke I I had completely forgotten about it because most of this movie is very forgettable. But the joke that Joe mentioned about Will Ferrell, aka Lars, comparing his penis to a Volvo. Yeah. When I was, 
I don't know, maybe in my late teens, early 20s, and I thought like, oh, maybe... David, where where is he going? Please, continue. <laughs> and I and I thought like, oh, maybe like I take a crack at stand-up comedy or whatever. Like I think I'm <laughs> like a, a fairly funny person or whatever. Like maybe I could do this. And I, and I would go into my notes on my phone and if, you know, like I had a funny conversation and I thought there was a way to uh, develop it into like a... Um, a stand-up okay. bit. I, 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 I would write it down, and I wrote almost that exact same joke as a novice, like not even comedian, just like person that liked comedy. The only difference was my my bit was uh, <laughs> my bit was comparing my dick to uh, Ben Affleck as Batman. At first, it seems like it's going to be pretty terrible, but it turns out it's not so bad. And did you that is video this? Did you is, videotape this and by that's, any chance? And that's well, I never. But see, the, the, so so what I'm saying is, I never actually did. I never did. I've never done stand up in my life. I like wrote some stuff that I thought maybe I would do at an open mic night some at some point. I've done, but I just, I've done that. I but I knew that my material was garbage. Like I was like, this, oh, these dude. jokes are bad. And that joke specifically is a terrible bit. It's a bad bit. And the fact oh, that I Will Ferrell, a seasoned comedian, put that into a film is like, come on, man. This isn't, you know. And that's, and that's what I meant earlier. This isn't I open chuckled. mic night at your college. Right, I chuckled, but I did not guffaw. Yeah, I was, I was just like, man. That, and that it also rough. might be worthy to point out, I don't know if we intend on looking at the career of David Dobkin ever, but his next film next year coming out, if if all things go according to plan, is an untitled Maroon 5 documentary. Ooh. Oh, nice. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yee. We should get on top of that one. Well, you know, Car- big, Carlos does have, big, what, yes. right? How many of your tattoos match Adam Levine's? I can't a, remember. A it's, lot, yeah. Is it exact? Yeah, I have I mean, California across. Uh, I've never been, but I have California across. Ironically, he only has moves like Richards. Uh, so I don't move at all. <laughs> Just do drugs. <laughs> well, you know, what's going to what's going to keep us moving through this episode is the low ABV of this yeah. New Mexico. I looked it up while we were talking. This is our very first Kolsch on the show. Okay, I was thinking we probably hadn't had one, so that's great. It's a new style for the show. Um, you know, I I like a good Kolsch, especially in the summertime. Um, very light and easy to drink, or they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, very clean, very crisp, and I'm getting all that with, with with this one. David, I thank you for this. I am a little bit hungover at the at the moment, and <laughs> I I needed this. To get, to get started, I, I mm. needed that light, crisp. I love this beer. Oh, great! Like oh. I, I never thought I'd say that I love a Kolsch, but it is so clean and crisp and like yeah. refreshing and like so enjoyable to drink. I, I am kind of blown away by it to a certain. I never felt very strongly about a Kolsch before, but I have very much enjoyed drinking this, David. I. I, I look to you for this advice. You like the pills. You like the Kolsch's. And I'm just not yeah. fans of those because of that allegiance to the styles that I'm allegiant to. But yeah, this Kolsch, what a fucking great Kolsch for our very first one oh, on the show. Solid. I feel like this would be the Kolsch that which you would measure other Kolsch's by. David, you know more about the style. Do they get crazy with these Kolsch's? Doubles, Imperials, Fruit, <laughs> variants? Honestly, no. I mean, it's... It, 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 you, 
I, I shouldn't say that nobody has. Nobody that I know of is doing things like I think Imperial fruit coaches. happens sometimes. But yes, I, I, I think I've seen some fruit additions. But generally, I mean, it really is supposed to be a really crisp, easy drinking style. Right. Um, you know, I love actually one, one of my favorites, uh, Anthony Bourdain. Uh, yeah, I think it was the No Reservations program. It might have been the other one. Anyway, but one of my favorite episodes was him in Germany, and he goes to Cologne, and you see him drinking these. And they have a very specific – it's like a cylindrical glass, these nice kind of tall, thin glasses. And the culture there is you know, they just – they bring your glass, and once it's empty, they just come by and refill it unless you put a coaster over it. And I just love the idea that – you know. As long as you're sitting there, they assume you want to keep drinking the Kolsch. And and it is a beer that's low enough in ABV, you know, usually hovering around 4 to 5% that, yeah, you can sit there and drink that thing, you know, session. It's a sessionable yeah. beer in, in its very uh, makeup. So it seems like it would be antithetical to it to really push it that way. That said, I'm sure somebody does. Um, there are a few places, few few folks in Texas that do it um, – and they're escaping me right now. But there's there's a couple that are on the shelves that I will pick up from time to time. Love Street used to be decent, but it's terrible now. What what one? Love Street. Oh, Love Street. Oh yeah, it's that like is a, a cult. culture. It's like a yeah, it's like I've a variation on the cult. It, it used yeah. to be okay when they were still indie, but like now that now that they're AB InBev, at first it was still okay, but it's just a malt bomb now. Yeah, I'm, super. Yeah, I feel like that one ends up sweet. And, yeah, uh, when I, um, I don't, don't yeah. care for it. I'm just gonna do my best to avoid that. Carlos brought up Carbach, a uh, blacklisted brewery for me, as we've <laughs> talked about on these airwaves. <laughs> well, I can't wait. Well, I can't wait to maybe drink a few more Kolsch's as the summer ramps up here on the show. Sure. You know, and uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, you asked about drinking habits. Last night I sat out on my porch at like midnight and drank a stuffed uh, Oreo stout ooh, from Prairie. From Prairie. So ooh. my... What's that, 12%? Well, I like I said, I was hungover today. <laughs> and there's a very clear reason why. <laughs> but yeah, my, my, my habits have not changed that much. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I, I will definitely still end the evening uh, in, a, in a place like that, but... But for especially daytime and or early evening drinking, Kolsch's, Pilsner's, that in the summertime, th those are real good options. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to talk about the next film, guys. Me either. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to be able to hear what you guys think about it when we come back. back to the second half of the we episode sure um we are going to drink another beer now um this one is 
was a part of uh, a care package from a, a Sir David Gurney, um, who <laughs> I, I, I've been night. Yes, that happened just now. Um, I, I I had actually forgotten that that I even had this in my fridge, which is good because I might have drank it. Uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, the, there's some impulse control uh, issues uh, with me <laughs> and having all this good beer in my fridge and having to wait to drink it. But this is from Fremont out of Seattle. It's called the Lush IPA. Um, yeah. Now, David, Fremont sounds familiar to me. Do they do some kind of like really big, bad stout, like wax tip they bottle sure- situation? Yes, okay. they do, and we haven't had one of those on the program uh, before. We We've have had, had we did have their golden pilsner. Joe uh, on the break was uh, was informing us, and, okay. and fairly recently we, we had yeah, it right episode, before episode eighty one. Uh, uh, a, a bit of trivia: it was the very first stay at home Zoom or Skype episode. It was the uh, Lodge, and we drank the Fremont Golden Pilsner with the companion movie cabin in the woods which carlos and i almost we would have come to blows if we were in the same room yes we so would that, have fist fought yeah. so thank god for stay at home <laughs> yeah right, that, that right. was a good one to do over zoom because it's that's that's a top fiver right there cabin in but the not woods. but not our first <laughs> foray incredible. into fremont uh, david you must like these guys a lot it's our second beer from them i do well the, in in uh in the we shall not mention their name, uh, beer by mail service. Um, they, they're actually based out of Seattle, I believe, or at least Washington state. And so they, they have some sort of relationship with Fremont and they do get some of those wax tip bottles. The big one that people tend to talk about is B bomb B like B dash. Yeah. I think um, there's another one that I'm thinking. And, of. and I know, yeah, there are a couple other, and they do a lot of variants of the B-Bomb as well. Uh, the, there's one called the, the Gauntlet that is, uh, it's actually different <laughs> different barrels of an, a barrel-aged B-Bomb blended with each other that like it has, you know, part of it is in whiskey barrels, part is in bourbon barrel, part is in, uh, you know, anyway, so... The uh, they're known for that stuff, but they also I think have a lot of you know I think the regular Dark easy Star. drinkers, and I think this is Dark Star. I think is that's one the of one. Theirs too. I think yes. that's the one I've had before. That's, okay, it looks familiar. Yeah. So so this, but this one, the Lush IPA, is a more I think straightforward uh, IPA at seven percent. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's uh, it's one that I think has has some. Uh, um, generally gets good ratings on those beer rating kind of websites untapped and beer advocate and whatnot oh i'd be uh, remiss to say it's not a beautiful glass of beer sorry david i'd be remiss to say it's not a beautiful glass of beer i mean that is look at that in the light that is gorgeous untapped needs to pay us too (laughs) i'm about my bag secure the bag well, while you secure the bag, uh, we're, we're going to get underway here talking about our companion film. When we were thinking about what to pair this with, um, pair Eurovision with, we thought, let, let's go in the musical comedy direction. Let's look at another film that's kind of about music, um, performance, uh, brings in the comedy element. And, and one of our favorites that we've already done on the program is Spinal Tap. Uh, and, you know, yeah. so, so that that's kind of off the list. But... 
been there. Uh, one that I, really, I, I have to admit here, I had never watched it all the way through, but knew of it, knew that uh, there there were some fans and then there were some detractors. Um, so I looked, I thought it would be a great opportunity when we threw out this name to look at the film Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Can I say something real quick? One yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Starring John C. Riley. Sorry to cut you Go off. Go for it. But because of what you because of what you just said, you said some fans and some detractors. Now, yeah. had you said that to me a week ago, I would have been like, "Detractors, fuck those motherfuckers!" Like, what are you talking about? This movie is amazing. <laughs> I would have like gone so hard against it, but having rewatched wow. it now. Oh, no. There's some problematic elements. <laughs> There's some problematic stuff in here that I didn't. I just. I just didn't notice the first time I watched it. <laughs> but, oh, well, but I, mean, is, uh, I don't know. With some, it's it's a thing we've talked about with comedies, like you know the with American Pie or really or like episode three or four or whatever. It's like, oh man, this doesn't play that well in today's like. So well, hey, climate. Carlos. But yeah, but I do. Uh, Carlos, but I do still really love this movie. Carlos, I want to hear every single one of those, uh, but uh, maybe put a pin in that. We can For sure. uh, For sure. do the set, do the general setup and the the basic plot required. Yeah, yeah. to, to kind of dive right in. I jumped. Ahead. I want to. No, no, it's okay. I just want to hear every single one of those because I watching it this time. I had the. Uh, I was a not a detractor. I was ambivalent the first time I saw this movie. Okay. okay. Okay, whatever, but and and I'm just gonna show my card right here at the top of the episode. I thought this movie was incredible. I'm all in. I love uh, David on, Stein, on, by the way, on this second movie. <laughs> and I'm gonna firm up a category that we talked about when we did Crazy World. You know, the okay. Wakali World acid trip we just uh -huh. watched a few weeks ago, episode 93. Yeah, this is a movie to have on at the background of a party where people then yeah. begin to accumulate around the screen because of how good it is. So yeah. someone smarter someone smarter than me set it up, basic plot, and then I want to dive it's right a, in. Yeah, David, I mean, go for it. It. Is, it is so straight up a parody of musical biopics, especially right. ones that had been popular in the 2000s. Two, two in particular, uh, Ray and... Uh, walk uh, the Line. Ring of Fire. Ring walk of the Fire. Line, sorry, yes. line, yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was Walk the Line. Um, the Johnny Cash biopic yeah. and the Ray Charles biopic. Yeah. And clearly, you know, those had been huge. They won Oscars. They were, you know... And so this was a moment where, you know, because this film, what, came out in 2008? Um, mm -hmm. Where I think, you know, it seemed ripe that, okay, if the musical biopic, which still is, is thriving today, right? I mean, Rocket Man and uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and this... Uh, Academy Award winning on this well, podcast, just... Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> no, I was just going to correct you, David. Academy Award-winning Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, goodness gracious. <laughs> um, but but anyhow, you know, kind of feeling like the genre was was ripe for the picking, and so this is a pretty straight up parody of those films, taking elements of both both the films that I've named, but other ones, and then also just making a lot of jokes about pop music history as they go along, you know, tracking this character who kind of starts his career in the 1950s in the early rock era, and then, you know, going through into the 60s, 70s, and, and 80s with his, uh, you know, attempts to keep his career afloat. Rebrand himself. Yeah, and keep his marriage or, you know, whatever, you know, like uh, his, his relationships. And, you know, it's it, it's a goof. I mean, it, it is a, as much as you, 
might want to take any of this seriously, it's really not to be taken seriously. It is all so ridiculous and over the top and silly right from the get go, from the tragic uh, slicing accident. Wrong that kid, kills dad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> to the father who just can't let go yeah. of, uh, yeah, that is a, anyway, so, you know, th- that's the basic trajectory and you see that, you know, like this artist, Dewey Cox, this fictional, uh, yeah. character kind of go through this trajectory that we've seen, especially with Johnny Cash, but, uh-huh. but Ray Charles too. They're, and using they're... those, using all those parody elements, uh, of the tropes of all of those biopics, the ones that you mentioned, David, Great Balls of Fire, we could throw in Great there. Great Balls I mean, of Fire. <laughs> A ton of them. Is that a real thing? It is. That, yeah, that's the Jerry Lee Lewis with starring Dennis yeah. Quaid. Oh, interesting. Uh, it, it, it was not much, as successful. No, it, no, it, it did not get it. much Academy. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to ignore. Uh, Ryder playing his, uh, you know, cousin Brian. Yeah. yeah, it's difficult to ignore the presented. Yeah. Incest. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, so, yeah, it's not good. but I was going to say the the death of a sibling at a young mm-hmm. age, the the desire in the artist's career to prove something to those that do not respect him and his or her family, and played up for comedic effect. We saw you it know, in Eurovision. In the film, yeah. you know, you no, know, I, I noticed that too because I watched Walk the Line first. The Walk needing hard. to please my. Thank you. Needing to l- needing to please my father, which we see in Zoolander, and we see yeah. I could go I could go on and on, on and on. on. Yeah. It's it's clearly a trope that they're parodying here to I think great effect. So one of the so I saw this movie in the theater with my dad actually, um, which I was uh, God I would have been like I guess like sixteen when this came out or something. Uh, so I don't think I could have gone to see it on my own anyway, but. I was definitely not of an age where I was comfortable with like a lot of the stuff that's in this film, like seeing with a parent or whatever, but it was just so funny that like it outweighed any like awkwardness. Um, but there are just so many re- I mean, uh, the mark of a really great comedy is that you're laughing a lot, obviously, but also that, you, I mean, at, at least the mark of a great comedy that has cultural staying power is like the ability to quote it and reference it. Like having those, Mm -hmm. those easily understandable, easily digestible bits that can translate into just everyday conversation. And there's so many of those with this one, like wrong kid died is obviously one because they just repeats it over and over again. The, you don't want no part of this shit, do we? Like that one's really funny. Um, I love, love, love that bit. And then, and then you, so, you know, in contrast to Eurovision, where there's a lot of, like, bits that play out throughout the film, this is one where every single one pays off, and especially the you don't want no part of this shit, do we, one, because at the end, we yeah. get this amazing moment where he's trying to resist temptation and avoid temptation, and he walks out of the dressing room, and there are people singing the temp. Uh, the, there are the temptations. <laughs> he sees yeah. it, and he goes, "Oh, the temptations!" <laughs> I'm and trying to avoid the temptations. That's such a good. <laughs> it's such a good and such a smart bit, you know. And it's so simple, it's so easy, and it's like obviously a big part of why this movie works so well is John C. Riley is incredible. Like yeah. he is just, a, I mean, he's great across the board and almost everything. And I know I said Step Brothers is trash, but it's not his fault. Uh, but everything else he's it's in, I mean, trash. I love, I love him as an actor in any kind of role. But especially, I mean, he has great comedic timing, 
and he plays up all of these different eras of the like great troubled artists so well uh you know from his psychedelic phase his protest phase his like you know rockabilly country roots all that kind of stuff beach boys phase yeah and you know there's just there's just so much about it that works really well and uh i think the only the only real complaint that i had other than like first of all a mate like i didn't know who craig robinson was when i first saw this movie but now that i oh, do yeah. i just was so happy to see him in this movie i'd love craig robinson he's fucking amazing and everything he um, is funny he's a really funny dude uh that probably i don't think gets enough credit um that's my personal opinion uh but other than how like incredibly problematic that first scene is <laughs> uh where he's in the black club and he's singing uh i'm your negro man or or whatever the song was called that's a it's <laughs> a bit like i don't know plays a little weird today uh but once you get kind of get once you get past that i mean i forgot where i was going with this now but well i think just, you were diving into some of the modern day social issue issues that you had with the film and and and, and oh, I, no 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 uh i remember it. other than that scene which i found like slightly problematic and didn't play very well the only problem i have with this movie is fucking jack white i don't want to see him oh, in this movie get him the fuck out of here piece. i know oh, I just, um, oh god as elvis and you know he's really not bad as elvis like he does a pretty good job all things considered, but I just oh, he just irks me as a person. I just don't I didn't realize care for you hated him. Hated Jack White so much. Yeah, I don't I, hate I, I him. Mean, I just find him irksome. There's uh, a difference. No, I, 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 I There is a difference. I don't right. wish harm you, upon him, but I also don't want to see his face. You don't. You don't want to have. To I don't want to be well, confronted with him at, at at any point in time. Well, the screen the screen time of you know thirty seconds is I guess the antidote there. He's on. Yeah, and he's, he's not off. there long. Yeah. Frankie but, Nina as as Buddy Holly is hilarious though. I love that. Like what the yeah. fuck? And also yeah. and well, also, I I have a question. Uh-huh. Who who is your favorite Beatle in this movie? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Hey, can I can I lead us to that conversation? Yes, because yes. I, I was thinking like going back to that conversation we had in the first half about the movie connects as a comedy if the things presented you find funny yeah right and this film lays out the tricks uh, you know out of the bag of comedy pretty thick parody mm-hmm. we're going to spoof the films that we discussed earlier um exaggerated clearly to an extreme i mean yeah he's got like 50 one, kids in one of those movies there must have been a sink ripped off the wall by a oh, drug yes, fuel. Oh, yes, I love that You know, bit. Uh, yeah. rock star. I love star. that bit. Because Especially here, when there's the line of sinks and he's doing each one. Yeah, right, he <laughs> so just tears it. <laughs> he tears every sink off of every bathroom wall that we <laughs> yeah. see in the film. Yeah. It's so you know, funny. And, and what you talked about with uh, the drummer um, who... Tim Meadows. The bit, the bit Meadows. is you don't want this. This is called marijuana. And then he... It's not habit pr- for me. <laughs> Yeah, he then no, proceeds to make a case for marijuana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where where John C. Riley, I gotta be honest with you, I feel like I should try that. And, and the, then, then and, the, and the cocaine one, he's like, then it cocaine, makes all your bad thoughts then, happy ones. Yeah. And then finally Viagra when they're all old men, you know. Yeah. And then there's okay, parody. Then there's absurdity. Yeah. You know, uh, in every single rock bio you ever seen, when the rock star gets to the end of their rope, they trash a room. Yeah, right. But 
absurdity you know, too. He cuts Dewey someone Cox. in half with a machete. Yeah, Dewey Cox eventually <laughs> takes a jackhammer to the concrete floor of the room that he's going to trash. <laughs> he's going to trash the room better than anybody's ever trashed the room. Yeah. And then the tool Weeping that takes a while little... he's doing it. Weeping. Right, exactly. The tool that takes a little while to get used to, but is so funny, is exposition. Because the three of us, when we sniff out poor exposition, yeah. telling instead of showing, we are quick to... But here it is the star of the show. They, Every single line is exposition. They're telegraphing everything that we're watching. Yeah. In a, I'll give you an example. So much time to cover, you have to. Yeah, Th this was a particularly bad case of somebody being cut in half, <laughs> <laughs> completely unrequired. Yeah. Or 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 when you are introducing a character, you always say their full name as if the audience doesn't realize that you're talking about that. And no better scene points out where all of these things merge when they're in India. Yeah. Who, what's the name of the man? The, the Maharishi. Maharishi. The Maharishi. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna start over. No better example of these things coming together <laughs> than when Dewey Cox and his band are sitting in India under the, what's that called? The guy's name. Help me out. Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, yeah. With the Beatles. Right. So Hello, back to your the Beatles. Back to your question. <laughs> That's right, George Harrison. It's the Beatles talking to one another. They're not going to use yeah. one another's names. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Okay, I'm so, the boss because that's because I'm Paul McCartney, the leader of the Beatles, yeah. and then they, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so who's your favorite one? I I think Paul Rudd is John Lennon. He's yeah, I really agree. good. I the over enunciation and yeah, and the way yeah. the way he moves his mouth when he's yes. talking is really yeah. I, for me. I think I think it's Justin Long as George Harrison. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think he does it really well, but also when he's like, "I'm just trying to get a song on the album," yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting over here while my guitar slightly cries. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jason Schwartzman's great as Ringo too, though. Oh yeah, uh, it's, uh, and Jack Black is good. I mean, no, it, Jack it Black a... is bad as Paul McCartney, and that's why it's so good. No, well, no, but that's what. It, okay, no, they're all bad. They're so all absurd. <laughs> it's perfect. Jack They're Black can bad. barely do the voice. It's yeah. perfect because yeah. he's so chubby and it does. It's not Paul at all. <laughs> no, it doesn't doesn't make any fantastic, but it's wonderful. Yeah, that's. I mean, that and, scene is so good. It's yeah, a, that scene it's a is bad worth trip, watching the movie. If, you, if you've never watched this movie, that scene's worth watching the well, movie and, for. And but that, it's only one of so many great scenes. Yeah. Right. And then going into the yellow submarine animation when they're yes. tripping. Yeah. You know, like that. That stuff was bad was trip. Incredible. Bad trip. I, you know, for me, it was funny because I remember this film coming out and I remember wanting to see it, but then it totally bombed at the box office. I mean, yeah, it just it did, right? it, it did nothing. And I, I don't remember like, think, but I, for whatever reason, I think I just kind of shelved it. And I was like, well, I don't want to, cause I love John C. Riley. I, you know, love a lot of the other people involved with it. This was actually an Apatow production. So you yeah, know, he call it. back to our last episode. Um, I, you know, I just thought, well, if this isn't like the best them doing their best work, then I don't necessarily need to engage with it. I don't, I don't want to be, you know, have this sink my love for for these funny guys. Then, uh, I don't know, at some point, probably five, six years, you know, I've seen bits of it on cable. Like I remember, you know, certain scenes that I would kind of go by and I think it was funny. And I remember thinking, oh, I should at some point sit down and give it a chance, but I never had. So this, you know, for this recording, 
you know, I finally sat down and watched the whole thing, and it made me feel terrible that I hadn't invested the time before because I would have loved this thing seeing it in the theater. I know I would have. I love all you know, being as much of a, a fan of music and, and popular music history as I, as I am. I would have loved to have seen all that stuff. The smile sequence I thought was fantastic. You know, the, seeing the, you know this kind of storied recording. Uh, well, series of recording sessions that Brian Wilson had where he was just bringing in some of the craziest stuff, you know, like actually setting fire to things in the studio. More but here, didgeridoo. You know, yeah, more didgeridoo. Army of didgeridoo. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that stuff I thought was just spot on funny. And especially for somebody who is a fan of music history, I think, you know, it's, it's hard and has had to sit through those biopics that have become very formulaic. I think that this is just so much fun um and i don't know i mean like to to me this is parody done right this is parody that um it it moves the pacing is perfect it's like as soon as the gag deploys you're on to the next one yeah. it does not leave you sitting there it doesn't expect you to really care about these characters because you can't i mean they they're not supposed to be cared about it's just got to yeah. give you enough jokes enough visual gags enough verbal enough great songs that are actually good songs they're good but, i mean yeah. i'm glad that we finally got to that because they're like walk hard is a good song and written uh, by Marsh Crenshaw. Okay, I did not yeah. know that. And, and the last song he does right before he dies, three minutes later. Beautiful world, yeah. Beautiful or, ride. It's a beautiful, beautiful ride. ride. That's a good right. song. Also, I mean, there's one that we absolutely have to talk about. We just like can't uh, okay. uh, overlook. But the Bob Dylan song is amazing. Oh yeah, it's yeah. so perfect and so spot on to that like particular yeah. era of bob dylan it's like it i mean i just was astounded by that particular one also there are unsung heroes in this film that i don't want to totally gloss over uh chris parnell is really funny as the bass player yeah. matt besser is great as the piano yeah. guitar player yeah. and i mean those two guys especially matt besser i mean those are like comedic heroes that like have done so much like for comedy and have been in a lot of things very briefly but never became big stars like matt besser is like a, f a founder of the ucb which has given us like so many great performers uh yeah and uh so many great comedians and they've been doing the work for a long time you know but don't really like get a ton of credit and i think that you know he has some really funny moments in this movie um and, and so does chris parnell and and also like that from the very beginning as far as tropes i mean we've talked a lot about some of these tropes but the one where you know uh john michael higgins uh shows up in this one um as the guy that owns the studio their first recording right. and then it's yeah. like it's like why would i ever want to listen to even one more song from this guy and then they convince him to do it and uh and then he's like just follow me you know <laughs> like that classic mm -hmm. oh like this magic right. moment or whatever which uh of course um Tim Robinson parodies really well, and I think you should leave uh, the, Nef uh, the Netflix series. It's worth watching. But, uh, but yeah, also also the the Jews controlling the entertainment industry was another problematic moment, uh, and especially their names like you know Mazel Tov and Lahayim and stuff. That was that was a bit troubling. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I mean, there there's something. 
<laughs> there is something for but but honestly, I I think it works. I mean, I, I think Cox that, and a little uh, nutsack was really funny too with Simon Helberg at the end. The yeah. walk hard remix. <laughs> little nut, it's right. a little nutsack. <laughs> that that was good. Yeah. Was good. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. There is some stuff that is potentially uh, politically incorrect. I think it was politically incorrect then when it came out, even yeah. if we weren't thinking about it. But but it's. I don't think it's ever done in a way that we're supposed to be um, laughing at the bias as much as we're laughing at the absurdity the, of it. The absurdity of it, and like you know, like you said, with the, with him singing the blues stuff and having uh, you know uh, an a black singer actually singing that, you know, that little tiny Dewey Cox singing the blues as a child, but sounds like an 80 year old man (laughs) or whatever, you know, like an old man that is, but it's also poking or not poke. It is poking fun at, but it's also kind of exposing that whole, Hey, remember like this whole thing, like rock music that, that, you know, Cox gets, you know, is, was taken from, you know, the black, Unity and was labeled this way and sold this way that you know and again it the film doesn't go into any depth on that it's not like it's making some huge social statement on it but I think that is a t- a small gesture to hey remember folks you know th- this yeah. this stuff actually come organically out of this young white boy. it is you know him getting this anyway so so I I appreciated some of that too but um but it was just darn funny throughout great music um yeah i mean Very th- th- solid this soundtrack. is i i'm sad that this film has not had the same kind of reverence that you know something like spinal tap is had. you know which yeah. which also wasn't like a huge thing at the box office but you know since has kind of grown in its esteem and that you know a lot of people now kind of recognize as being this great parody of rock music the rock documentary all that all that kind of stuff you know this one i think very similarly it's it's doing the same thing for the musical biopic and 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 i think it does it really well and i'm surprised that it did not do better than it did when uh when it came out i don't i think that i mean all the research that i did on the film shows that it's grown in cult status and stature as it's gone along for sure. and there's even for sure. accusations that Mo- the modern wave of rock biopic clearly haven't seen Dewey Cox because they're falling into all the same tropes. For things sure. like Rocket Man, things like um, Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Yeah. But um, yeah, this this is a great film. I'm so glad we chose this one because I'm telling you, it goes into that new category of film that there is absolutely no... I mean, be proud that you're in this category. And that is... <laughs> a movie to put on at a party if you want the television to accumulate people as the film goes along. I want to see some of these movie parties you're talking about, Joe, because I just, I don't... (laughs) (laughs) Someday, in the near future, we'll be able to have a a get-together at our homes. Yeah, yeah. And we're having just a party. There's probably some beers over here, if I know us, and there's a little cluster of people here and there, and the girls are over there talking about this, and the guys are over there talking about, you know, jackhammering their concrete floor. And <laughs> While weeping. TV is Dewey Cox that's going to draw people in and out. Yeah. Crazy world at your party? Yeah. You're a yeah. hero. Cox and I Lil mean, Nutsack. I, 
I, I will say that I was at one great party back in college where uh, somebody had put on Female Trouble without the soundtrack. I mean, it, they had the sound down low, but it was just images from this John Waters film. And I, I hadn't seen any Waters yet. And, and it definitely, it was almost a distraction because it's certain, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to have a good time at this party. And I what is this movie? I need to see this at well, some point. Well, what? Josh DeLeon, when he came on uh, for our Yodorowsky episode, said that I think the first time he saw Holy Mountain was at a party. Was on, right. And, and he just got, got like yes, totally sucked right. into it. So that's, I guess that's where I go. When you talk about putting these movies on at parties, I'm like, yeah, if I want to like piss people off because like, well, wait, man, like, am I supposed to be watching this or am I, <laughs> am I here to have fun with you? I don't know. You can do both. <laughs> I guess you can. I guess you can. Um, well, di did we do both having fun with this film and with this lush IPA from Fremont uh, Brewing out of uh, Seattle, Washington? I'm very happy. Uh, and it's not the first time in the last few weeks that we've said solid, no frills IPA. I don't need your juice for this one. I don't need your fruit chunks that make the can explode. This is just <laughs> the recipe. And yeah. you put this into a contest with some of the better IPAs that we've had on the show, and it's going to place. This is a fantastic second offering on, on the show, anyway, from yeah. Fremont Brewing. Fantastic. Real good job. Thank you, David, for bringing it. Oh, you're, you're welcome. I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm enjoying it as well. I, I agree. This is a no-frills IPA, a very well-balanced one. I mean, it just it's not super bitter. There is some of that on there, but but it's it's very balanced. It's got um, some nice, like you say, there's no fruit additions, but just given the hops that they're using, there is a bit of fruitiness in there. I'm getting a, there is. Bit of a, a sense of, you know, something tropical there, but nothing like over the top sweet it's really easy to drink seven percent i love that that's a nice sweet spot for an ipa for me it is uh, yeah yeah I'm, I'm digging this one the can art is simple the beer is simple but that is not a criticism at all it's it very, presents it's, it it presents itself well it's very good yeah it is a very good ipa i mean you know we've all talked right. we've we've talked about it before you guys talked about it just now but sometimes just back to basics is what you want. You know, mm -hmm. you just want something that is that is what it is and is not trying to be something that it's not and, you know, just is executed well. Um, right. And I think that this is definitely a prime example of just a straight up well executed IPA. Yeah. You know, Carlos, earlier you were talking about John C. Riley rolls and you left off the one, and that is Reith, Reed Rothschild. <laughs> from from Boogie Nights. That's a great one. See, I've and only guys, seen that movie once. Listen to That's me right now. Time. I I want to do Boogie Nights on this show. I want to do it ASAP. And if we don't do it, there's going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm kidding around, but we are planning some fantastic content in the near future. Carlos slipped that out of the bag last week. I did. I That's did. Right. I was confronted about it by uh two-time guest josh de Leon, who i also oh, was he mentioned. was he asking for imp was he asking for sneak peeks uh he came to buy the new chronopin record um and um when he was there he's like so you got some episodes in the can that you're hiding from us and i was like, <laughs> I was like yeah well we've got only got one 
at the time that I was speaking to him, we only had one. Right. We'll have two by the time this comes out, at least. But, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Stay you know, tuned. You know, we're cooking. That's what's that's you know, right. That's what's going that's on. Right. We're cooking, and so. You know, we didn't win uh, best podcast this year for Locals List. Well, thanks to our listeners, we didn't. But we are, st- oh. but we are still. <laughs> we we did we did not do a good job driving them. Uh, the, we uh, tried, but we, we are we, we are still the best podcast nonetheless. Yeah, uh, right. absolutely, absolutely. If you know, you know. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I I thought this I thought this beer was really good, and I'm really glad that we paired Eurovision with Walk Hard because my God, if I had to watch two bad movies in a row, it would have been it would have been a rough week. I would have been in trouble with my wife for making her sit through two bad movies. Uh, but Walk Hard was was excellent, and it had been on my rewatch list for quite a while. So I'm glad that I uh, had a reason to force the issue on that. But. Uh, there are bigger questions at hand. Have you had this Kolsch from Boxing Bear Brewing Company out of Albuquerque, New Mexico? Uh, Travis, I'm talking to you. Um, and have you had this beer from Fremont, this Lush IPA? What's your favorite straight up just IPA? Or what is your favorite simple stripped down just basic beer that is just perfectly executed? Uh, how did you feel about Eurovision if you saw it? Hopefully you didn't. You know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Lord have mercy on your soul. <laughs> for Netflix. Uh, and how much do you love Walk Hard? Because obviously you love Walk Hard. Come on. Um, let us know. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX, Beer and Movie Podcast.com has a link to listen to all of our past episodes absolutely free. Uh, you know, COVID's still a real thing. We know you got time on your hands and you got to catch up. You know, if you haven't been with us since day one, go back to day one or go back to day three because I wasn't on the first two episodes. <laughs> so I'm not going to encourage you to listen to those. <laughs> Although the Annihilation episode, I had a lot of uh, podcast envy that I wasn't on the Annihilation episode. Um, but uh, at least I think that was the one that, yeah, that was one of the ones I missed. Anyway, um, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. Leave us a review because we know you're going to give us that five-star rating. But leave a written review. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future. As men- as aforementioned, we are cooking, and we're coming up with all sorts of great themes and uh, throwbacks and different kind of uh different kind of episodes since we can't go see new releases in the movie theater and probably wouldn't want to even if we could. Uh, but I, I think this has been a great episode. Um, rough start, but we really hit our stride there in the second <laughs> half. <laughs> so until next time. You never paid for drugs. Not once. <laughs>